Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Welcome to Upfront with Jermaine Beckford and me, Sam Matterface, on TalkSport. This is the show that takes you into the world of the number nine as we find out what it takes to be a top flight striker. We'll discuss what it's like to come up against one of the Premier League's best defenders, working your way through the Football League and how it felt to score at Old Trafford. You're listening to Upfront with Jermaine Beckford and me, Sam Matterface, on TalkSport. With a strike rate of just over 0.4 goals per game, in a career totaling 414 appearances and an impressive 168 goals, in a pro career spanning 14 years, nine different clubs, and I think it's fair to say that Jermaine Beckford was a pretty handy number nine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. You've just given me a massive smile on my face um, (laughs) because I didn't realise the stats were as good as they are. When you look back at it, did you ever sort of keep a tally on your statistics? Was that something that you were particularly interested in? No, not really. If I'm if I'm being brutally honest, I was I was mainly going for see if I could score every game, um, try and create as many chances and opportunities as I can for myself. And if that wasn't the case, then see if I could get a couple of assists. But I don't think my assist tally is anywhere near as, as decent as my goal scored, if I'm honest. So, um, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. What is your definition of a number nine? Do you know what? Bizarrely, this is a question I was asked a couple of days ago. For me, it's it's difficult because you have to score goals as a number nine because ultimately that's what you're going to be judged on. But there are so many players out there at the moment that bring a lot more than just goals to their game. You know, they they have a lot of link-up play. Um, they bring a lot of other players in, hold-up play, movement, energy. If I'm being brutally honest, I, I would like to say I would like to say it's about goals. You're a goal scorer. Do you think you have to be selfish to be a number nine and a goal scorer? If that is the, the metric by which you're judging yourself and other people, do you yeah. have to be quite a selfish character? Definitely. Because, like I said, I briefly mentioned before, you're, you're ultimately going to be judged on goals scored. And number nine is, is like the focal point of the team. If you're not scoring goals, then the team's not necessarily going to be scoring that many goals because you are the spearhead of the attack. Sometimes you have to find yourself being a little bit selfish and, and upsetting teammates when they could possibly be in a better position than you to score a goal but for me I've I've all I've been very fortunate to have a lot of teammates that understand what I'm like as a as a person and a player um, and what I need for myself 
uh, and them for for us all to be successful um so they've not judged me for my misses they've they've uh, praised me for my for my successes have you ever had times when as a striker your team has maybe won a game and you've been distraught because you've not scored in the match or or conversely are there times when you've you've scored in a game and played particularly well personally but the team have lost and actually you're secretly sitting in the corner and you're quite happy about it <laughs> that's that's a bad one <laughs> um <laughs> There, there have been games where the team have played well. I've not necessarily played well. I've not scored, but ultimately the the overwhelming feeling is one of uh, relief because you know the team scored, the team's won, and I'm part of the team. No football team is a one player team, um, so you just have to take it all on on board, take it all in your stride, and you know sometimes you get the rubber the green, sometimes you don't, um, but it's all about as a as a striker as a number 9 trying to be in the right place at the right time and never giving up hope you know you you have to make unselfish movements you have to keep on running when when you know you're not necessarily going to get the ball or you know there's there's a lot of times where the ball comes up and it it might not stick and teammates get frustrated but you have to persist and keep on going and and see where that takes you when did you realize that you wanted to be a number nine, when you wanted to be the man, the striker, the goal getter. When my dad told me to stop picking the ball up, <laughs> I was um, I was a little kid. I was maybe two or three and my dad put a football by my feet and said, right, come on and let's go and play football. And I picked it up. And at first he thought I was going to play basketball or NFL or something. And then he saw that I was, I loved kicking the ball as well, but I carried on picking it up. And he said, under no circumstances are you being a goalkeeper. You're not crazy enough. <laughs> so um <laughs> so from there I kind of just carried on playing football carried on messing around with my pals with my dad with my brother um and after a while he he taught me the way to to get around people if you're not necessarily that tricky um to use your speed so he said right the guys in front of you are bigger than you and they're they're stronger than you but if you kick the ball one side and run the other side they can't push you over they can't stop you from from do, from getting around them so just try that. So I tried Did you know it. you were faster than everybody else from an early age then? Yeah, but I didn't realise. I didn't realise what it meant. I just thought, well, I'm going to go this way because he can't catch me. That was my, my thought process on, on the whole speed thing when I was younger. And after the first time I got around the big boy that I was playing against, I thought to myself, wow, this is easy. And then I did it again <laughs> in the next game and again and again. And I realised, right, well, I like this because nobody can catch me. I could get the other side and I can score. So I'm going to keep doing that. And I think it was from that moment that I realised I, I love scoring goals and I love the build-up play before it as well. I, like, I love getting around them. Were you ever precious about the shirt number when you were growing up or when you were breaking into youth teams or when you eventually signed for a pro club? Were you ever sort of a little bit sort of agitated if someone gave you a different number did you ever kick up a fuss over not getting that number nine jersey when I was playing for Worldstone absolutely non-league 100% there was a game where my old manager when I was playing for Worldstone my old manager Gordon Bartlett he gave me a different shirt because I was on the bench and it was one to 11 they started and then everybody else had uh, from 12 onwards and I think I had something like 15 or 16 and I just, I, I was not accepting it. Absolutely not accepting it. To the point where Gordon end, ended up saying, right, well, do you know what? You can start then because you're not, you, you can't have number nine and sit on the bench. It just doesn't work like that. 
So you forced him into playing you just by kicking up a fuss over a shirt number? Yeah, accidentally. <laughs> you know, I, I had no intentions of forcing myself into the starting 11. It just so happened that he said, right, well, if you're going to be nine, you have to play. And I think I might have been I might have been recovering from a slight injury, which is why I wasn't playing. Well, that's what I'm sticking to anyway. Um, Did you score? <laughs> I don't know. Probably I scored 35 and 40, so I'm, I'm, I reckon so, yeah. <laughs> uh, let, 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 let's warm you up with a couple of quick fire questions if we can and get a yeah. sense of who Jermaine Beckford is um, yeah. what's your favourite goal? oh wow this is a tricky one because I've got lots of, of different goals that I've really enjoyed scoring they've all meant something different at the time to the team that I've been playing for uh, and to myself personally um, I've scored lots of goals in derbies for different teams fortunately I've scored like overhead kicks I've scored from the halfway line I've scored solo runs where I've run the full length of the pitch. I would say one of the ones that have meant the most to to my career and to the team that I played for was for Leeds against Man United. Ball towards Beckford and the ball's over Brown and this is Beckford, he just ran away from him but he'll still get a strike in a goal and score at the Stratford end for Leeds United and it doesn't get any better than that for a Leeds centre forward. Jermaine Beckford gives Leeds the advantage at Old Trafford to the supporters my dad's always been a massive man united fan so growing up he tried to force myself and my brother into uh supporting manu my brother went for it um for a short while i i didn't accept it right from the beginning a little bit of a, re uh, a rebel i guess um <laughs> without a cause uh, just because i could be so i think i went for arsenal at the time because ian wright was my favorite player and I loved watching him and I loved what, listening to his interviews and all that sort of stuff. He was just very animated and, and a little bit crazy. But he was a class football player. So I think that's, that's kind of why I went to, uh, towards the Arsenal uh, thing. But knowing what it meant to my dad and, and seeing how big a club Man United is in terms of the history, in terms of the, the club it, itself and the players they had playing for him. You know, they just come off the back of winning the Premier League the season before. So, you know, they had a, a phenomenal squad and an incredible manager. Uh, and to be able to go to Old Trafford with one of their biggest rivals and to score the goal to ultimately knock them out of the, the third round of the FA Cup, which they'd never, ever ha had happened to them before in the history, I think, was a phenomenal achievement. The third round of the FA Cup never disappoints. We've had to wait. Until Sunday for it, but the shock of the round has come from the tie of the round. Jermaine Beckford's goal gives Leeds United victory at Old Trafford. Would you say that was your most important goal as well, or do you have another one which ranks higher than that in terms of its importance to the team, its importance to the scenario that you were in at the time, or a match? It would have to be another one for Leeds. Final game of the season uh, against Bristol Rovers at Ellen Road. If we win it, we get promoted. If we lose or draw, we end up in the playoffs. And we've had two seasons prior to that where we got into the playoff semi-final against Millwall and lost over two legs. I think it was 2-1 over two legs. And the season before that, we got into the playoff final against Doncaster and we lost that 1-0. Um, so we didn't have the best of luck in, in the playoffs. My last game for, for Leeds, incidentally, walking out of the pitch, onto the pitch with the captain's armband, was an incredible achievement for myself because I know all the players that have worn the, the armband before me and what it meant to, to be a leader of the, the team, the captain, to lead the guys out to, 
to battle, so to speak. And then, unfortunately, we went down to 10 men. And the red card is shown to Max Gradle. Leeds United are down to 10 men. And Gradle is furious. And Beckford needs to get him off quickly. This is not on by Max Gradle. Max Gradle got sent off, which was obviously the opposite of what I wanted to happen on a day where it meant so much to myself on a personal level. And then we went a goal down. And then Johnny Housen popped up with the equaliser. Uh, and then finally, the ball managed to drop to yours truly. Beckford! 2-1 Leeds! Bristol Rovers are falling apart. And Leeds United, through Jermaine Beckford, suddenly go in front. What a turnaround at Allen Road! It bounced in front of me. Bradley Johnson had a shot where he should have passed it to me because I was in a much better position to score than himself. He had a shot, came off the goalkeeper, it ricocheted, it bounced in front of me and I, I happened to be in the right place at the right time. I, I side foot volleyed it down into the ground and it went underneath the goalkeeper. I hit the back of the net and the whole stadium just erupted. Like Speaking about it now, I'm just I'm getting the goosebumps. I could feel the, the adrenaline pumping back into my body. It's crazy. There's the final whistle. Leeds United are promoted. They put their supporters through it all again today. The three-year exile in the third tier of English football is over. It's interesting you say you were in the right place at the right time. Do you yeah. think that is something that was just instinctive to you or something that you'd learnt over time to make sure that you were in the, the, the position of maximum opportunity when those events happened? You can learn it, but it's not something that comes naturally to a lot of people. I've always looked at it as... Where am I most likely to score a goal? Or where's the goalkeeper most likely to parry the ball into? Or where's the, the ball more likely to go to when it's crossed in? For me, it's within the width of the, the goalposts and inside the 18-yard box. It's a terrible kick. It's gone straight to Jermaine Beckford. And he has won it, surely. And the man who denied him with a brilliant save earlier has given him a gift of a goal. Head in hands moment for Brady. There will be managers that got the best out of you as a number nine and some that didn't. Yeah. Who were the ones that, that knew how to make you tick and, and what did they need to say to you to ensure that you were at your best? Simon Grayson, by far one of my favourite coaches of, uh, of my career. Himself, Glyn Snodden and Ian Dusty Miller. Between those three, they had a great dynamic between the three of them, but they also let me enjoy myself and, and express myself and play my game rather than trying to get me to do too many other things that weren't necessarily natural to myself. They almost based the team around my strengths, which was perfect and ideal for myself. But it also benefited themselves and, and everybody around us as well. So whatever teams I was in with Simon, they were very expansive type of counter-attacking football playing teams. It was brilliant. It was perfect for myself. But also Dennis Wise and Gus Poyet as well. When they came in, did exactly the same thing. They let me express myself. They gave me no restrictions. They said, look, you're good at scoring goals. You're good at movement. You're good at X, Y, Z. You do what you do and we'll find a way to get the ball to you to maximise your abilities. And fortunately for myself, again, they managed to get the best out of me. Who did you um, find was your toughest opponent when you were playing? Because sometimes the battle 
that physical challenge, that tactical duel between yourself and someone who is either just as talented as you at the game, but with a different skill set, can be something that brings the best out of you. Sometimes it can it can make you hide and go quiet. Did, was there a defender that, that, that oh, either no. put you in their pocket or one that you just thought, I'm going to have you every day? or 100%. I really Three defenders who absolutely had me in their pocket, no shadow of a doubt. I was fuming. The first one was Vidic. Slipped into the path of Lionel Messi. Terrific challenge by Vidic. Great tackle. I was running full speed at him to shoulder barge him off the ball. I hit the deck so hard, he didn't even flinch. It was like running into a brick wall. <laughs> Mate, I couldn't believe it. I, I thought to myself, right, I've got absolutely everything on you here. There's no way you're going to end up bouncing me. There's no way I'm, I'm not coming away with the ball. As soon as I hit him, I thought, oh my goodness, this guy is made of something different. I don't know what he's been eating or what he does in the gym, but he's an animal. And as soon as he did that, that was in the first five, ten minutes when we play in them. After that, he just looked at me and, and he just gave me a little smirk to say, yep, yeah, I, I got you now, you know it. And I thought, wow, I'm having no part of this. I'm going on the other side of the pitch. <laughs> did, you, did, did you like look look at that though and go back to it and think, oh, well, hold on a second. He was bigger and stronger. There must be a reason for that. Can I find out what that's about and try and get myself bigger and stronger? Or as you said, you just think avoid, avoid, avoid. Avoid at all costs. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> all costs. There's no way I'm having any part of that. It was embarrassing and it hurt a lot. <laughs> Who else did so, that to you? Rio Ferdinand, he did that to me as well. That wasn't fun. Similar physical thing or was that more of a sort of, a, he just seemed to he, he, have the reading of you? He read everything. He was a, an all-round animal. He was brilliant. Zanetti makes a run around the back and here comes Crespo, well covered, Ferdinand. Fantastic cover. He just, Trevor Sinclair let the runner go there. I would love to have had him in my team. But to play against him was, oh, man. It was very similar to Vidic, but in terms of, like, Vidic will get you physically and Rio will get you mentally because you, you just know, right, well, I'm going to run him. You can't run him because he's very quick, he's sharp. All right, I'm going to try and bounce him off the ball and weights him a little bit. You can't do that because he's, he's quite strong. And you try and move around him, but his positional sense was brilliant as well. So he was an all-rounder. But I also came up against one more, and it was Vincent Company when he was in his prime before he got he started getting all his his niggly little injuries, which was sad. It was sad to see for him. But again, like Rio, he was his positional sense, his strength, his speed were brilliant. But like, it, there was just something else about him that was just like he had an aura around him, where you just you could just look at him and say, "Wow, this guy is something special." And did those players deter you? I mean, you talk about that aura, you yes. talk about that presence. They, yes, did they it deter did. you? Yes. Or did you did you think this is a challenge, a problem that I've got to solve? Or did it just send you into your shell? I tried to solve the problem, but there was no way I could do it. It was it was too difficult. So I tried to find the weak link in the teams at the time and it was easier for me to play off the off the flanks than it was to play down the middle because they, they just had a field day with me. But sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and, and acknowledge and say, do you know what? Fair play. That's exactly why you are where you are. They, were okay. they weren't bad defenders, <laughs> were they? Let's be honest. We're talking about three world-class individuals there. And if you're going to come up uh, and struggle against anybody, they're probably the guys in order to do, to do it against. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are strikers who sacrifice themselves for the team that don't particularly measure their performances on goals. 
And then obviously there's some number nines like you who live only for goals. Do you sort of not look down on strikers who are opposite to you, the ones that hold the ball up, the ones that sacrifice themselves to bring others into play? Do you look at them and think, yeah, but they're not proper strikers. They're not, they're not goal getters. They're not like me. I'm different. No, I actually respect them. I respect them a lot. If you look at, for example, people like um, Roberto Firmino, he's a, he's a great example right now. Snapping at his heels was Firmino. He's robbed it, played it onto Mane. Mane into the area. Goalkeepers come out, doesn't get there. Mane does as it rebounds off the Bravka and into the Senegalese's path. And Liverpool have turned this game on its head. It's a second goal for Sadio Mane. And Roberto Firmino's contribution to that must not be underestimated. He won it in midfield. He drove forward. He found Mane. And Mane inevitably found the net. He scores goals, but he's not hes not the focal point of the goal-scoring antics at Liverpool. Their goals come from Mane. They come from Salah. And they come from elsewhere. He, Without him in the team, they don't operate in the same manner as what they do. And they're not as lethal or potent as they are. Leeds have got Patrick Bamford, who does all the, the dirty work, the nitty-gritty, the knitting together, the hold-up play, and he brings the other players in, Hernandez and Costas and Jack Harrisons and players like that, and they are the ones that score the goals. Well, it is Costa who's been played down the right side, and there are plenty of bodies in the box. One of those, Bamford leaves it for Hernandez! 4-0! Leeds United scoring at Will and Ellen Road. The dummy from Bamford, the pinpoint accuracy from the little Spaniard right in the bottom corner. Butland, absolutely no chance. Without those old-school target player, hold-up player, number nines, teams might not necessarily be as effective uh, as they are. But I never look down my nose at, at, at strikers that are completely different uh, different to myself because I know exactly what it takes to be a, a focal point of a, of a team. And it's it weighs on your shoulders, which is where you need the right players around you to remind you that you are doing a great job and you know, you're respected and everything for the club. So if I could be a different type of striker, would I change it? Probably not, no. Because I love the adulation of of scoring a goal. I love the feeling. I love the excitement of it. I love the adrenaline rush that you get off the back of it. But I do respect and appreciate the other type of striker that are out there as well. Did you like having a partner? Or did you like being on your own and being that focal point that you, you mentioned there? Do you know, in my early career, I loved having a strike partner. Because you build a bond and a, a, a brotherhood, so to speak. And you both appreciate and acknowledge each other's games, especially if the, the, the strike partners that you are, uh, that you have, are slightly different to yourself, the other type of, of number nine. So I've, I've played up front with Luciano Becchio, who was probably my favourite strike partner. like the traditional number nine, the hold-up player, the strong guy, work rate, brings other players into the game. I loved feeding off him. So I would be like the tip of the spear, but Lucy would be more of the the animal, the bulldozer, the barbarian type. So he would do all the dirty work, the nitty-gritty, and I'll get all the adulation. So yeah, I, <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> but you know, when you've got, when you because I, I, I had the pace, and uh, my movement was was slightly better than Luciano's, but his hold-up play and his 
team play was slightly better than mine. So we, we tended to work off each other really well. And he fed me a lot of times for me to score goals, but I also fed him a lot of times to score goals. Not as many, obviously, because I was uh, a little bit more selfish than him, but <laughs> we we were very successful together. So, yeah. Did you enjoy the sort of physical battles that came with being a, a, a striker? Not really, because I, I never... Right, here's a, a little bit of info about myself. I've never really wanted to be the the main number nine hold-up player because I, I've never liked getting kicked. I've always wanted to play off the left or off the right where, you know, instead of playing with your back to goal, you're playing with your you're playing side on. So when you're receiving the ball, you've got a, a view of the whole pitch. You can see where the defenders are. When you're a, a, a focal point number nine, when you're, your back's to goal, when the ball comes up to you, you've got the defender right up behind you trying to kick you at your ankles, trying to elbow you in the back of the head. You know, I, I've never, I've never enjoyed that, but it's, it's a part of, it's a part of football. And it's, it's as if you want to be a number nine, that's, that's something that you have to get used to and you have to get used to it very quickly as well. Plenty more to come on up front with Jermaine Beckford, including the time he was sent off for fighting with his teammate. We just both had a go at each other. I don't even know what it was about. We got in the changing rooms afterwards. We looked at each other and said, oh, my God, can you believe what we've just done? This is Upfront with Jermaine Beckford and me, Sam Matterface, on TalkSport. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Was there much competition between you and your peers? I'm not even talking about people in, in, in your team. I'm talking about you, you're in the same league as someone and you're going for a top goal scorer or you're the spearhead of the Leeds attack and you, you're going to try and 
get promotion against another team and their top striker has bagged 25 goals and you want to make sure you get more than that. And was there any friendly rivalries between you and anybody during the course of your career? Yeah, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> always <Absolutely> friendly? Everybody. <laughs> yeah, always friendly. Always friendly. If you don't set your sights on, on players that are doing really well, you're never going to improve as a player yourself. You know, you've got nothing to, to aspire to, to, to chase. And that's something that I always did. There, there were many times where I've seen players in different teams scoring lots of goals. I've wanted to be that guy. I've wanted to, to have that competition. So to have that competition, you've got to be that competition first. So I tried my hardest to get to a point where I was able to um, challenge for top goal scorers of the league and goal of the season competitions and goal of the month and all that sort of stuff. But there's never, ever been anything that's been malicious or anything other than friendly banter between, uh, between football colleagues. Is that 100% true? Did you, did you not fall out with a teammate on the pitch whilst playing for Preston once? Yeah, that wasn't about scoring goals, though. What was that about? <laughs> uh, that was you and Owen about... Dahl playing for, for, for Preston North yeah, End. That was with one... uh, Do you know what? It, it's so frustrating as well because he's one of my pals. Like these sort of things happen all the time in football. They happen in training. Course. They happen in training grounds every single week without fail. You know, it just so happened to be at the worst possible time when we're chasing, uh, we're chasing a, a win away, and we just pulled a goal back to to bring it to within one goal. I thought Doyle should have crossed the ball to me because I was in a great position. I was free, and he was one on one with the defender, and and he shot from a, a really wide angle, and we just both had a go at each other. I don't even know what it was about. I don't know what was said. We got in the changing rooms afterwards. We looked at each other and said, oh my God, can you believe what we've just done? You this got, is ridiculous. both got sent off. We both got sent off and we ended up losing the game. But we, if we'd both have stayed on the field, we'd have won that game by far. I think there was still like 20 minutes to go and we were, we were absolutely on top. Um, what did the manager say? He was fuming. For something like that to happen is, is, is embarrassing. It's a, it's a joke. It's a disgrace. I can use so many words, and, and that's to put it mildly. I've been in the game 30 years playing and managing, never been involved with anything like that. It was Simon Grayson again, incidentally. He was fuming because he knew what it meant to, for us to get to that position in the first place. We were chasing a playoff spot as well. I think we're doing quite well that season. Uh, and that, that slightly derailed us because he'd lost two strikers for three games each. And it was just, it was a nightmare situation. Absolute nightmare. But, did um, the other players help you repair that relationship or, or did you get shunned in the dressing room afterwards, the two of you? What you have to realise about football players and, and teams is whatever happens on the, on the training field or on a match, as soon as you get in the changing room, that's it. It's gone. It's done and dusted. It's, it's buried. You move on. Because you spend so much time with, with these people, they're more like family members than they are just people that you, you bump into or, or just acknowledge when you're walking down the street. So you have relationships, you have friendships with these guys and everybody knows and understands what each other's mentalities are, are like. So we all know that nobody means anything by the things that, that happen on the field. If there's a bad tackle, you know, you get up, you're frustrated, you have a word and then that's it. It's done and dusted and, and you're shaking hands and having a laugh and a joke later on as soon as you get in the changes. And it was exactly the same situation there. Everybody was frustrated with the situation, don't get me wrong, but they also knew that there was nothing more to it and we we ended up paying a massive, massive fine between us. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were all happy with that. Now Beckford's in again here, Jermaine Beckford! 
And Forrest had begun the second half so well, in the blink of an eye, are three behind. Beckford doubles his season's tally in one evening. A striker can't hide on the pitch. And usually a striker, especially one who has scored as many goals as you did and played as the main striker for someone like Leeds United, can't really hide off the pitch either. Did you relish the attention? Initially, it was bizarre because I've always been a very quiet, personal person. I've never usually loved the limelight or the attention that's come with it. I've always tried to hide under the radar and, and just go about my, my daily routine, my daily lifestyle quietly. But then I signed in March and between March and the end of the season, we got to the playoff final. I, I was only playing a bit part, uh, coming off the bench every now and then. I didn't really play. And then the following season, I was shipped out on loan. I went to Carlisle uh, for a few games to, to get a taste of regular first-team football. That's where I scored my first professional goal. And then I moved from Carlisle to Scunthorpe on loan for, for six months. For the you end had of a the terrific season. spell there, didn't you? You scored a lot of goals and that was a, that was, that was a good, good period, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a great period. For, for me, myself personally, it was a fantastic period. I scored... I think it was almost every other game. And that was my first real taste of, of regular professional football. What, um, what role did that play in shaping your career, do you think? Huge. I'll be honest, it was, it, it was fortunate because I managed to play in a team. Nigel Adkins was the manager and he was playing such an expansive type of football and they were winning, they were doing really well and they were pushing for promotion. I think they had um, Billy Sharp and Andy Keogh that were playing up front for him at the time. And Andy Keogh just agreed to sign for Wolves which is why I went in to to try and help out not not to to replace him or anything like that but you know to to try and find a, a another way of getting the goals or, and not upsetting the 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 formation of the team it actually worked out really well for myself because there was no pressure to do anything different to what I what I know as uh, to be football you know I I played on the counter attack um they gave me the, the ball a lot gave me a lot of freedom and we kept on winning. It's easy to, to go into a team that's winning and settle in really quickly. And that's exactly what I did. Managed to score, I think it was nine goals in 18 games or something. So a goal every other game. We ended up getting promoted as champions, which was incredible. And I just thought every game was going to be super, super easy. Every season was going to be a piece of cake. It almost worked out like that for the first couple of years, didn't it? I mean, 2008-9, yeah. you scored 27 goals in all competitions. The following season you was the one where you got 31 goals in all competitions, including against Manchester United and Tottenham. Jermaine Beckford, whose FA Cup headlines this year have been bigger than any other man's. What at Kettering. What at Manchester. What at Tottenham. And now this. 96 minutes nearly up. What an FA Cup story. Jermaine Beckford is writing his own lines again. During that time, were you feeling invincible? Was it like you couldn't miss? Yeah, but I've always had that mentality. You know, even if I did miss an opportunity, I knew I'm going to get another one. And if I missed that, I knew I'm going to get another one. I've always had the confidence to know that there's always going to be another chance, another opportunity. So not to be too down about that last one. And like you said there, I scored, I scored a few goals. I enjoyed myself in front of goal. 
but it it should have been a lot more than than what it was and and I'm sure a lot of people will say that <laughs> talk to me about that because there is another side to it isn't there 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 is the goal drought there are the misses there are times when it doesn't go yeah. as expected what goes through your mind in that moment just before the ball comes to you when things aren't going so well I imagine that when everything's going well for you it comes to you it's instinctive it happens it goes in the corner but yeah. there's doubts that creep in in the other times I wouldn't say necessarily doubts I think it's just a lack of confidence but the more the the only way to get over the lack of confidence not really not thinking you're going to score when you shoot is by shooting and seeing what will happen because there's always going to be a goalkeeper who's going through the same situation as you you know not confident that he's gonna he's gonna save every opportunity every chance that he gets you know defenders that are thinking to themselves oh I've played against this guy before he's he's really good so it's just about having confidence in yourself and if you're feeling low just by trying your luck and seeing what happens what does that feel like though you said it, a lack of confidence in front of goal what does that feel like does it does that mean that when the ball comes across you think oh I'll just hit it just hope or 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 do you try harder to to put it in a, a certain area of the goal I think what does that feel like I think it's more you start thinking about it you overthink it you overthink about uh what's going to happen how the ball's going to come to you um whether you're going to be able to make a good connection whether you're going to be able to to beat the goalkeeper put it close enough in the corner so many thoughts run through your mind but as a striker a lot of things that happen in front of goal are instinctive you don't think about it it just happens and that's that's when the lack of confidence in front of goal kind of creeps in a little bit because you start overthinking things Look at this finish. It's left foot. Fantastic. Great break here. Dance now for Peltier. Peltier's cross. Beckford's header. And that's two for Leicester. Your moves to Everton and Leicester, how do you look back on them? It was a, an absolute dream to be able to play in the Premier League for a club rich in history as, as Everton is and play with some incredible football players like Tim Cahill, Louis Saha. Tim Howard, Phil Jagielka, uh, Stephen Pienaar, Mikel Arteta, like the list is incredible. And to come from a, a council estate, which is where I came from, to, to being at the pinnacle of professional football was incredible. It was a phenomenal achievement and it's one that I, I still look back on fondly. I met some incredible people there. I'm still in, in contact with a lot of the guys from, from my, my time at Everton and Leicester as well. And Leicester was a, an amazing opportunity for me as well. Again, I met some some amazing people. Um, Sven Goran Eriksson is a manager that I had I'd watched coach the England national team, and all of a sudden he's my manager and he's giving me hints and tips on how to improve my game and giving me praise when I score an incredible goal in training and pat on the back when things aren't necessarily going right. Things were were good. I, yeah, I really enjoyed them. You also scored a goal in the Merseyside derby. It's in towards Beckford inside the Peltier, right footed shot beyond the goalkeeper and Jermaine Beckford puts Everton in front. That was an incredible feeling. So I briefly touched on it earlier. I've scored exciting goals uh, in in big derbies and, and that's definitely, definitely up there with, with the biggest of. Obviously playing against Liverpool at Anfield, you're always going to be up against it, but the ball managed to come to me. I think Leighton Baines popped it into me and I don't know how I did it. 
but I managed to pop the ball around uh, around the keeper at the time and just ran off celebrating, thinking, oh, my days. I can't believe I've just scored for Everton against Liverpool in the Merseyside derby. This is mental. And just hearing the fans as well going nuts in the corner was, oh, my word. It was incredible stuff. <laughs> it was so exciting, man. Does that mean now that you can go to Liverpool at any stage and if you bump into a blue, you are going to eat and drink for free? <laughs> I would like to think so. But I'm, um, <laughs> like I said to you before, I'm, I like to I like to fly under the radar. So yeah. I do keep myself to myself. I'm trying to be a little bit more extrovert rather than introvert. But do you know what? It's Every time I, I do bump into a, a, a blue fan, they always praise me and, and there's a couple of goals they always talk about. It's the one that I, I just mentioned there for Everton against Liverpool. And it's I know what's coming next. It's the goal against Chelsea. He's lost out to Beckford. He's got a lot to do here, but he's skipped away from Cole and he's got Jagielka to his left. Still he goes Beckford. He's away from Terry. Beckford against Czech. What a finish! Beautiful goal! Jermaine Beckford! The biggest smile! where I picked the ball up from their corner inside my own 18-yard box. I lifted the ball over Frank Lampard's feet, ran across the pitch, got a little bit of luck. The ball bounced up, knocked it over John Terry's head, just put the afterburners on and absolutely nobody could catch up with me. Took a lovely big touch out of my feet. Petacek came out and I, I sold him the eyes, didn't I? Made it look like I was going to put it around him and I chipped it over him. Oh I love the God. fact that you relish it so much and you can recall every moment like, like from, from picking it up from the corner flag. Was that also the goal that got Carlo Ancelotti the sack? It was his final game in charge of Chelsea. Imagine that. And now It was his final few minutes, wasn't it? Everton. Yeah. Like We were walking down the tunnel after the game had finished and somebody said to me, Bex, Bex, Carlo's just been sacked. You got him sacked. And I went, get out of here. Get out of here. Stop talking nonsense. And I walked past and he, he, he had his head down and he was walking past and somebody else said, oh, sorry, Carlo, I'm sorry you lost your job. I was like, wow, this is even better. How amazing is that? So did, did you, it make you feel good? You didn't feel bad about that? No, I felt bad for him personally, but he's, I think he'd he done, done all right up to that point in his career. So yeah. you know, he, he wouldn't be crying too much for too long. Also, I suppose it meant a little bit more to you and you mentioned that you scored against Chelsea home and away because, of course, they said that you weren't good enough for them. So it was a tricky period at uh, my, my time at Chelsea. So This is when you were a kid, right? When I was a kid. So I was playing, I was in the same team as Carlton Cole, um, and there were a few others that were floating around as well. And we, we were playing, enjoying ourselves, doing what we do. And then I, I got injured. I'd done my Achilles. And because they are such a, a huge um, number of kids coming through the books all the time every week there's a different kid coming in and a different one going out I was released because they thought well look he's injured we we're not really going to waste time on trying to get him fit because we don't know if he's going to be hungry enough to come back from the other side of it because it's it's not a, a straightforward injury etc so I, I got released I ended up playing for for Worldstone playing non-league football and and just enjoying myself just playing football with no restrictions no no rules or regulations and I, I think that kind of benefited me more because I, I got a, a newfound hunger for the game you know I wanted it more so yeah it, it, at the time as a, a 13 14 year old kid being released from a, a club as massive as, as Chelsea at the time especially was was difficult to accept difficult to take but 
you know, I had I've, I had great parents and great uh, a great brother and great friends around me that that kind of opened my eyes to a bigger world. We'll get you to look at some of your favourite number nines, those that you admired either growing up or whilst you were playing and you were looking at and you were thinking, God, I wish I could be a little bit more like them. Who did yeah. you sort of have a little jealous glance at? I used to watch Italian football, a lot of Italian football, and it would have to be Gabriel Battistuta. Oh, what a fantastic hit! Speed of light strike from Gabriel Battistuta. He's done it again against English opposition, and he has silenced Old Trafford. Oh, my gosh, this guy was incredible. Like, every single week when I'm on my way to play my little Saturday football, Sunday league football, I would watch it before I go out and... You'd hear the Golazio on the TV and I'd sit down in front of it with my dad and my brother and we'd watch it and I'll just wait for, for Fiorentina to come on. That's the only game I ever wanted to watch. And Batistuta, whenever he scored, you just see him going absolutely crazy in the corner flags, shaking his hands all over the place, wiggling his hair so his hair's going nuts. I thought to myself, this guy is loving life. He is loving life. How can I get somewhere to be able to enjoy what I'm doing as much as he is? So I think in terms of number nines, that have got me to a point where I've wanted to to be a number nine, to experience scoring goals. I think it would ultimately be him, first and foremost. What about when you were, were playing? Because there were obviously big strikers making their name in the Premier League and elsewhere at that time. Were there any that you looked at and thought, oh, I want to be a bit more like him? Ian Wright, Andy Cole, Dwight York, Michael Owen as well, actually. Just because of his, his movement, his speed and his finishing abilities, he, he was brilliant. He just didn't have the size. So it was, um, he, was, he was a lot more difficult to, to defend against. That's what it looked like from, from the outside anyway. I like seeing the two players up front, Dwight York, Andy Cole. I like to see their, their movement. I like to see how much fun they were having on the field, the goals that they were scoring, Shearer and Sheringham those two for a bit as well the thing is Shearer and Sheringham those two scored some incredible goals like some volleys that they shouldn't have been shooting from headers where they've ultimately bullied defenders there's so many Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank Mark Viduka is it fair to say you used to look at quite a lot of strikers and try and take bits from them would that be a research thing that you did or was that just like a self-improvement thing yeah it was but I also, I loved watching the number nines and, and taking bits from them. But I also loved watching players like Gianfranco Zola, who had the technical gift as well to bring those number nines into play. When he was playing with Jimmy Floyd, I used to love watching Jimmy Floyd uh, Hasselbank's movement But every time Zola got the ball. So uh, Zola would pick the ball up on the left-hand side with his left foot. He'll cut infield, so it's onto his right foot. And then Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank would make a run from the opposite side fullback, the left back, inside the centre-half in towards goal because he knew every time Franco's going to put the ball over the centre-half, he's just going to bring it down on his chest and smash it in with one of his, his bullet shots that that, that have become a trademark. So it was, it was all about the movement of the players and when they started their movements. And that's something that I, I wanted to try and pick up from all of the players that I'd, I'd watched and tried to learn and... and, and feed off a little bit of each one of them. At the end of these interviews, we've been testing our number nines. Uh, we call it sort of the perfect hat-trick and, and see how well you know yourself. Are you, are you pretty confident that you know quite a lot about your career? Uh, no. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm under pressure now. I feel like I'm under pressure. Yeah, it's I'm, only it's only three yeah, questions yeah. about you, and okay. the punishment is not to be in a car with a spider. So it's okay. <laughs> good, good. You'd be no good on I'm a celeb. I would be terrible. I would be terrible. Uh, I just yeah. had a small spider in the car, and I absolutely freaked out. <laughs> oh uh, okay, so you scored your first hat trick against Chester City in the League Cup. It finished five-two. Do you remember it? Yep. Yes. Who scored the other two goals apart from you? Uh, Andy Robinson. It, yes. And this is for Leeds United. Snodgrass. Wow, you've got it right. Both of yes, them. Yes, have some of that. <laughs> wow we that was brilliant how many goals did you score for Leeds in all competitions oh my word uh right i'm going to say 86 i mean if you didn't know and you've right? just come out with that that is pretty impressive 85 oh no way so you're gonna beat oh, yourself so up all day they took one of mine off me <laughs> That's scandalous. I think Robert Snodgrass got one on the line. <laughs> Bang out of order. <laughs> um, and finally, who was the Manchester United goalkeeper the day that you scored that famous goal? Oh, I didn't even have to finish the question. Yeah. Thomas Kushak. Do you know, I actually thought that might be the hardest one of the lot, but you smashed it. Nah, piece of cake. Come on, test me if you're going to test me. Four towards Beckford, and the ball's over Brown. And this is Beckford. He just ran away from him, but he'll still get a strike in on goal. You've been listening to Upfront with Jermaine Beckford and me, Sam Matterface. And if you missed any of the show or want to catch up on previous episodes from the series, you can listen on the TalkSport app via the Game Day podcast feed. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.